We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. You may be seated this morning if you can. Man, I love the presence of God so much. There is nowhere else I'd rather be. I fell in love with the presence of God uh, very early on in my relationship with him. We lived on a 20-acre pond, uh, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, when I got married, I I grew up in a house with uh, three other siblings and my two parents. And so somebody was always home, and I always had somebody to talk to. And um, I had a big family. And I remember when I got married, I got very lonely. I didn't realize how much I would be leaving behind. If you come from a loud family, I didn't realize how lonely I would be. But after I met the Lord... The little trailer that faced this little pond at my house uh, had a room in it, and it became my prayer room. And every morning I would wake up and I would take my Bible, and I had one of those $45 futons from the Woolworths, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about, the metal ones that broke all the time? Um, It broke, so it was on the floor. Um, But I would go in there, and I would sit in the presence of God, and he would show up, and he became my friend. He was close to me, and we talked with each other, and it was amazing. So if you don't have that kind of relationship, there's going to be so many opportunities for you today to open up your life, to begin the kind of relationship with Jesus, the one that leaves you feeling like, oh, I've got a friend. And not just any friend, literally the most powerful friend that you could ever possibly have. Now, as we get into this message today, I have a question for you. Do you remember what it was like when you were a kid? Do you remember what it was like to be picked up and carried? Do you remember what it was like to have not a care in the world outside of finding your He-Man figurine, getting that easy bake oven going, okay, and like making sure that all of your toys were ready to go, right? Do you remember those moments when you felt absolutely safe, and secure in life. Oh, wasn't it wonderful? Wasn't it wonderful to be safe and have that feeling of like, I don't have any responsibilities. I crack up at my kids because they're like, oh my gosh, school's like so hard. and My life is so hard. And I'm like, you are fed. You sleep. You have clean clothes. I make sure of it. You have a mom and a dad who love you. You have grandparents who love you and dote on you. Like, you got it made, man. Chill out. It's not that hard. But do you remember what it was like to feel that way? To feel like, oh my gosh, I've got it made in the shade. My daughter uh, cracked me up the other morning. I got up for work and unfortunately my three-year-old is deciding that she really doesn't like her own bed and she prefers at 2 a.m. to come into my bed um, with Alfie and I where she rams her head into my body and her feet into her dad's body because laying this way wouldn't make any sense. Why would that make sense? No, we're going to lay this way in between mom and dad so that we can beat each profusely, right? That makes sense to her in her little world. But I woke up and she was there and and she's very, very sweet. And I'm trying to get myself together. And um, 
what you do, you may know about me from conversations that we've had in the past, is that I do wake up and I, I do spend time with the Lord right away. And I usually try to do it before my kids can get to me, right? Because I got to get in my headspace right where these creatures come at me. Um, but this morning she was there and she said, it's time to play. We play? Because a lot of times we play in my bed. Like I'll throw her up in the air and uh, let her fall on the bed or we make a pillow for it or we have some kind of fun um, hanging out there because it's comfy and it's fun and everybody's relaxed. And I said, well, we need to pray first before we play. And she said, okay, Jesus, thank you. We play now. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. Now we play. She's like, let's get that out of the way. I was like, well, it's not quite that simple, but do you remember what it's like to never be bothered and to have that absolute peace and to not have a worry in the world? But then little by little, you hit like third grade, right? And so you actually have homework now and your parents start going, oh, you got A's and B's. And you're like, what is it? What? I got what? A B. What? I just got stars before. And then you get in middle school and they start asking you what you want to do with your life and you get a little stressed out about that and then you start playing like sports in middle school and then you've got like like extracurricular activities or maybe you like joined Boy Scouts which is terribly stressful for everybody especially your parents and and you begin to add on and add on and then you get to high school baby and you better be concerned about your GPA and you better know where you want to go in your life and you better get it all right and if you really want to excel in your sport you better play and work out hard and oh by the way if you want to buy anything in life you better go ahead and get a job and it starts just that early. Go ahead and get a job. Play better at sports. You better work out in that gym three or four times a day. You better hustle. You better earn. You better work hard. You better study. And my God, don't have any fun. Because if you have fun, that's going to ruin it all. Don't rest. Don't relax. Don't do anything like that. And if you're like me, you get to a point where you go, okay, now we're going to get married. This is going to make my life easier because I'll have a partner, right? Did you know your partner has laundry too? And dishes? These people come with things. They have needs. What do you mean you're going to have more time? And then you all get real cute and you do what my friends down in the front did and you have a baby. Only I know these people, this is their fifth baby. I am concerned for them. <laughs> because you add on a baby and then things get multiplied, right? With complications and crazy and this kid has to be here and that kid has to be here and oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But it's okay because they're so cute and I love them so much, but oh my gosh. And we create this cycle where we're running and running and running and running to the next thing and it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. I mean, we start multitasking. Moms, can we talk to each other for just a minute? When you are cooking and you're helping your third grader with their homework that's math, that's this core math thing, what the heck is that anyway, right? When you know how to do it, like, da, 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 and they're like, oh, no, we need like a graph and a bar and a whole thing. And you're like, okay, while you're cooking, holding the baby, and you're trying to help your other kid rehearse their play lines. All at the same time, right? Because we are multitasking people. And, and guys, you are working, talking on the phone on the way home, making sure everything happens for the family, making sure that the trash goes out and all the other stuff. That is very gender specific. I'm, I'm terrible, terribly sorry about that, guys. Sometimes women take the trash out too, right? 
But listen, like you have all of these responsibilities and all these extras and you're still trying to be a great dad and you're still trying to show up for everybody in your life and you're about run yourself ragged. And we leave nothing left on the table. And if you're like me, you will try to squeeze as much as possible into your day. How many loads of laundry can I get done in a day? How many times can I start the dishwasher and put it all away? How many times can I write while doing the laundry, making sure the dishwasher is started, making sure my three-year-old has um, uh, the TV on the right thing, because God knows if you put it on the wrong thing, she will have a cow. Oh my goodness, right? Making sure that uh, my other kid is doing what he's supposed to do and the other kid is off doing what they're supposed to do. And I will cram more and more and more into the day until I find myself trying to multitask in the bathroom. Don't tell me you don't do that. Get some reading done, y'all. Get those emails answered. Because it might be the only place your children don't bother you. Multitasking in the restroom. And just because the pace of life is what it is, you find yourself going faster and harder and more and you're sprinting and you realize that you don't have time for some of the things that you wish you had time for. We don't have time for meals with our family anymore. We don't have time for deep conversations with our friends. We don't have time for rest or reflection, or reading. We don't have time to really enjoy intimacy with our Father. We just don't have time. I remember um, when I started on the journey to um, plant a church, I was invited by United to come up and be a part of their team for a while. And I'd come from a, a place where I felt really wounded and God knew that and he was trying to work out some of the woundedness in me by placing me in a team at United. But I never felt like I really belonged. I felt like I wasn't good enough because I felt like I had failed before and I thought I was going to fail now. And I remember going out to Dover every day and I was the queen of hustle and I do not walk anywhere. I am. Okay, I'm going to go over here. We're going to work on this. We're going to fix this. And then I'm going to run over here. And I'm going to do all this. And I would run through the warehouse. And I would run to my desk. And I would run to wherever they asked me. And I would take all the notes. I would be so laser focused. And I was straight up hustling. Hustling. Until finally, one of the girls said to me, she said, hey, you're good enough that Pastor Kenneth selected you and put you here. You don't have to prove anything. You're chosen. It's okay. Slow down. Wow. I was okay. I didn't have to earn my right to be there. My place was already set. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hustling. I'm tired of hustling because I feel like I don't belong or like I'm not good enough. That I have to work harder to be a part of the boys club. I saw a, a That's the 80s show the other day and it talked about the era, ladies, you may remember this if you are a little bit older. 
where we decided that to be more poignant in the workplace, we needed to look more like men and put shoulder pads in. Because that's going to work. But that's the era where we came out of, right? Where we had to work harder, right? We had to look the part. We had to be bigger, be stronger, be faster, be bolder. And hustle, always hustle. Let me ask you this question. What if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life you're living? I'm going to say that again. What if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life you are currently living. You see, we're not just looking at the truth of Jesus, which we will always do in this house, which we will always do every Sunday, but we're also examining the way that he lived. We're going to look into the way that he loved. In fact, when you look at the Gospels and you kind of take a step back and you look into them, it's pretty fascinating when you think about the way that Jesus lived. Let's recap Jesus's life. He had three years of ministry. Yes, three years of ministry. And he knew he was only going to have three years to get this thing right. Three years to save the world. I don't know about Madonna and, and Justin Timberlake, but he had three years. They might have had three minutes. They was making it up in their head. But if you don't know that song, I'm very, very sorry. I used to take a lot of Zumba classes and that came up a lot. Okay, just confession. But Jesus had three years of ministry, and in those three years, he totally embraced the Father's mission. He recruited a team of 12 ragtag dudes, got ahead and got them set straight on kingdom values, made sure he knew them, they knew them well enough to go and teach others, sent those people out. He endured the hatred of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He resisted temptation by the devil. He healed the sick. He raised the dang dead, y'all, and he spoke the word of God fearlessly and fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. And can I tell you something that's crazy to me? He never once ran. He never ran. Not even for fun. Can we all just say thank you, Jesus? I don't have to run. It's in the Bible. Jesus didn't run. He didn't run. He walked. Jesus never once ran. You're not going to read it. You're not going to find it. He didn't have to hustle because he was working but never rushing. He was always at work but didn't have to rush around doing it. And this is what Mark 2.14 says. It says, and you'll find this throughout the scripture as he, what's the word? As he walked along. As he walked don't you know that Levi, son of Alphaeus, was sitting in the tax collector's booth working his tail off because he was hustling to prove to the Romans that he had enough and would bring enough to the table so that they would keep him in his position earning money. But he also had to hustle to try and prove to his own people that he wasn't ripping them off, but he was. Always hustling, always rolling, always jiving, always dealing. And here Jesus comes walking and says, follow me. What an invitation. You don't have to hustle anymore. You can do this. By the way, this is Matthew. Levi called Matthew. 
Here's some interesting things about Jesus. Do you know the first thing after Jesus is baptized? He's baptized by John the Baptist in, uh, in the Jordan. He comes up out. Holy Spirit drops. People hear God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Wow, that's affirming, right? I can, you know, that would be great. And this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, like that would be so great, Right? And you would think that after that, if that was me or that was you, we should be like, let's go. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go do this thing. But you know what the first thing he did? He went into the wilderness for 40 days. And that's opposite of what we think should happen. We think he should have jumped right into ministry, like ninja laying hands on people, healing people everywhere, and really, really getting it right. Then next, he goes, okay, I'm going to get this. But he went on this huge 40-day sabbatical, which really wasn't like a party, because honestly, the devil had his hand in it. And he pressed into the Father for 40 days, and he quoted Scripture, and he resisted the enemy. Then he went to a wedding. It's not like he then went to work in the synagogue or in the temple, right? No, he decided to go to a party, to a wedding, where he could make sure that, check this out, they had more wine. So the party could continue. So you're getting the pattern here. He's resting. He's on sabbatical. He goes to a party, make sure they can continue to party. And you know what his animal of choice for transportation was? Is it a white steed? No, that's at the end. That's when he comes back for us because he's going to come back with power and all the wonder and glory of Christ. But while he was here, do you know what his animal was? A donkey. Have you seen a donkey run? Have you seen a donkey run carrying a person? I don't think so. Because they're a walking animal. They're a burden-carrying animal. They walk. I'm going to ask you another question. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life, right? If we follow an unrushed Jesus, doesn't it mean that we should be living an unrushed life? And here's the invitation. I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to kind of close your eyes, if you would, for a minute. And listen to this invitation. And this is Jesus' words to us. It says, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. This is an invitation to a relationship. This isn't an invitation to doing more or trying harder, or hustling. It's an invitation to get away. Time with Jesus, time with God is never time wasted. I don't care what anybody says. 
even if you sit there and you don't feel anything and you don't hear anything, maybe it's just a time where you need to be emptied and let go of and be silent with the Lord. You see, rest isn't a punishment. It's a gift. I wish my children could get this because I can't get them to take a nap to save my life. Rest is not a punishment. I need you to take a nap. I don't want a nap. I will pay you to take a nap. And the same is true with us. Jesus says, I want you to rest. I want you to take a day and set it aside and do no ordinary work. I want you to come with me. Come away with me. I'm going to show you a new way to live, but you've got to step away from the old way that you have been living so that you can learn a new way. That's why he says, come away with me. He says, watch how I'll do it. The other thing he says in this verse is that uh, I want you to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Keep company with me, he says at the end. You see, keeping company with somebody is continuing in an ongoing relationship with them. If you married a spouse and then you never saw each other again, how do you think that marriage is going? It's not well, okay? Keep company with your spouse and that marriage will continue to go great. You can't come here on Sundays and say, yes, hallelujah, amen, come away with me and read the scripture and then leave and forget everything that you've learned on Sunday. You got to take it with you. You got to let be, Jesus be a part of your life in such a way that you're not getting distracted. Here's another picture from when you were a kid. I used to do this to my mom all the time. We would go in the store, and before we would go in the store, and it would be one of those big department stores um, like Macy's, and usually we would go uh, to Baltimore to go to the big malls, because down here back then all we did have was Woolworths, okay, y'all? Um, and there weren't, there weren't no Walmart. I know, I know, it was crazy. We didn't have nothing, okay? Um, and so we would go to the White Marsh Mall, and we would go to one of those big department stores, and my mom would say to me before we went in the store, I would be like, little, little, three, four, stay with me, okay? You got to stay with me now. It's okay. Inevitably, the shiny things would take over, right? And I would turn around, and my mom was gone. Because I became so distracted that I never noticed her moving to a different location. That I never noticed that the person who said, stay with me and I will protect you. Stay with me and I'll make sure you get fed. McDonald's, yes, amen. Right? Stay with me and I'll make sure you stay warm and safe. Had moved to a different location because I was so distracted by everything that's around me. An invitation of Christ this morning is keep company with me. He's telling you, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't let the distractions of this life get it. You stay. I have a plan for you. Yes, you. He said, you'll learn my ways. But he also says this at a very interesting uh, juncture in scripture. In Luke 8, 21, he's told um, as he's in a house ministering to people who are sick 
and healing the sick and laying hands and casting out demons, he's told, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus says this in reply, my mother and my brothers, my family, are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Practice. Practice isn't doing it once and thinking you're done. Practice is doing something over and over and over again. You put it into practice. That means you develop the disciplines and the habits that are going to result in you being able to maintain this without thought. It's putting it into practice so that you can, even if you hear a different voice, you know that's not the voice of the shepherd because you've heard him speak to you so many times that you know the difference. When you put it into practice, your life changes. And that's the invitation of Christ in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. But the truth about all of us is that we love running. And I find this to be true, and you'll see if it's true in your life. We're always rushing and always hurrying because we're either running from something or we're running to something. We're either running from our past failure or our insecurity or the hurt or the abuse from our past. Or we're running to the next best thing. We're running to marriage and to success and to image and to one more click. And can I get a double click, please? And can I get popular, please? And we're chasing and running. And you know what? Every person on TikTok is going to tell you, God, but hustle. Let's hustle. We got to hustle. If you did more, if you worked longer hours, you would have everything you needed. The interesting thing is that everybody wants peace and prosperity. As a matter of fact, that's one of the founding principles of our country, right? Is that we want everyone to experience peace and prosperity. The problem is, is that we've gotten it flipped and we want the prosperity first, not realizing that we're sacrificing our peace to get it. And can I ask you a question? What is prosperity if you don't have peace? Can you enjoy it? No. Because you're still striving and struggling and fighting to keep it or maintain it or get more of it. And you sacrifice your peace for prosperity. Man, what if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life you're living right now? And can I tell you, the next truth is, is that the solution isn't just more time. The solution isn't more time. The solution is more of what matters most. Because you have been given, and I have been given, a finite period of time in our lives on this earth where we will be able to do one thing that God has asked all of us to do. Bring as many people to me as you can. That is the one thing that we can do now that has eternal consequence. I will not be able to take these fresh toms into heaven as much as I love them. You will not be able to take your car or your phone or your computer. And I'm glad about the computer thing. I'm done with that thing. You can't take any of it with you. But what you can take with you is people. 
people. So where are you spending your time? Because I'm going to be honest with you, and here's where I get a little sassy. Let's be honest. You have time for what you make time for. You have time for the things that you think matter the most. Even when you know they don't matter the most, you still take time and make time for those things. So let's be honest with each other about a couple of things. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. But here's how we spend our time. Did you know that social media on average, the average time spent in a year on social media alone is 706 hours. Say what? 706 hours. And I know my people, we are above average, okay? And the younger we get, the more above average we get. Here's a reality gut check. Do you know that 706 hours is about four and a half months of working hours? What could you get accomplished in four and a half months of work? Nine to five, five days a week. Ow! But I like TikTok. I do too, boo! I'm struggling. Television is worse. We spend about 2,700 hours watching the next mindless, idiotic show from wherever. We do it. I watched, tried to watch another movie last night, couldn't get through it. Too much garbage in it. And I thought, where have I spent my time? And here's the one that gets me, and I, I, I love the Lord, and I feel real bad about the statistic that I'm about to tell you because it messes with my heart. Um, and this isn't for women, so I'm sorry, ladies, but we are guilty too if you're a gamer. Video games, y'all ready for this one? The average guy, somebody said no. <laughs> the average guy by the age of 21 has spent about 10,000 hours playing video games. 10,000 hours by 21 years old. I think my kids spent that much last week. <laughs> oh, it's bad. Here's what you could do in 10,000 hours. You could get your pilot's license in 10,000 hours. You could get your undergraduate degree and your graduate degree in 10,000 hours. You could become a concert pianist in 10,000 hours. You could memorize the entire New Testament in 10,000 hours. Or let's get more personal. You could actually save your marriage if you invested 10,000 hours in your spouse. You could actually reconcile with a family member if you had 10,000 hours because you could spend that time with them and speak with them, invest in them. Think about what you could do with 10,000 hours in the life of your child what kind of relationship would you have with your child if you spent 10,000 hours from the time they're born to 21? What kind of relationship would you have? I bet it would be much more deep and meaningful and stronger and better. And don't you think at the end of the life that knowing your relationship with your son or daughter is on the up and up and that they love you and adore you and want to spend time with you would be way better than getting the win at Call of Duty. I know it would be.
So what if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life that you are living? So what do we do now? Bro, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this thing out. Let me give you some steps. I'm not going to give you more to do, okay? Because we all don't need more to do. I will tell you that if you don't slow down, God may make you slow down. Can I get an amen from people who God has made slow down? You all should be probably saying amen because the coronavirus has made sure that we've all had to slow down and spend time with our kids, whether we liked it or not. Unless, of course, you're a healthcare professional, in which case, you're probably likely in the busiest season of your life. And I want you to know with all sincerity in my heart, if you're a medical professional on any level, I am sincerely praying for you. I love you. One of the missions of Hope Church is that we actually make sure that Nanticoke Hospital has ER snacks. We take snacks to the ER nurses and professionals because we believe they need food. And we don't take garbage snacks. We take good snacks. Good snacks. Protein snacks, healthy snacks, and also full candy bars. Candy bars are life. Um, but likely you've had to slow down. The solution to living the life you want is loving like Jesus loved. In all honesty, that's the solution. And here's what John Mark Comer said in his book, which I am loving, and if you have an opportunity to pick it up, um, I highly recommend it. He says this, he says, love is incompatible with hurry. What has more impact on you, married folks, and you dating folks, if your significant other says, I love you, bye. Or if they come over to you and they grab your face gently and they plant their lips on yours and they say, I love you so much. I'll see you later. Which is more meaningful? Which is more loving? Which is more... <sighs> Not the hurried, I love you, bye, but the deep love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 confirms this because it says that love is first what? Patient. It's patient and kind. This morning I want to teach you a prayer that I would like to invite you to say every morning for the next seven days and mean it. I want to teach you this prayer, and we're going to say it together just now. But the prayer is, God help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. God help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. God, God help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Be present in the moment. This is step number one to living a better life today. This is the better way. Be present. Be mindful. Breathe deep. Listen to people. I mean, really listen to what they say. Remember their names. Remember what they like in their coffee. That's two things that I try to do every time I meet somebody new is I always want to try to memorize their name so that I know their name. And then I always want to find out what's their jam at Starbucks or how do they like their coffee. And if they don't drink coffee, I make note of that too. 
Because my love language is showing up wherever you are with coffee. It's my favorite thing to do. As a matter of fact, I do that every Sunday before anybody else gets here. I make coffee for our partners. It's my way to say thank you and my love language to them. But listening to people, really listening to what they say, even if you have to put it in your phone or write it down so you remember it, be present. Be present with your kids. Get off your phone, Emma, and also other parents who do this. Put it down. Put it on the charger. Turn it off. Put it away. Be present. Play with the Bluey or the Legos or the game. Hey, listen, parents, dudes, moms who game, you want to multitask, have some fun, play your games, do it with your kids. Spend more time with your kids. Look for the needs around you. When you're present where you are, you will see needs in your workplace. You'll see needs wherever you go. And you'll be able to fellowship with people. One of the, one of the verses in the Bible that says that we would know Jesus in the, the, the power of fellowship, but also in the fellowship of suffering. We should know Jesus in the fellowship of suffering. You are uniquely placed in people's lives to step into their suffering with them and hold space for them and be present for them in a way that I cannot. God has called you to your place and your people for his purposes. Be present so that you can do that. The second thing I want you to remember today is to choose what's important and eliminate what's not. Choose what's important, eliminate what's not. And saying no to something means that you might be able to say to it a yes to it later. Say no to a phone call when there is a person in front of you. This is just good customer service right here. This is just free business tip. Teach your people. Teach your people. That phone can wait, but that person in front of you is the most valuable customer you have because you are face-to-face -face with them. Never, ever take a phone call when somebody's in front of you. Hey, when you're out in public too and you're out with your friends, unless it's one of those 911 emergency calls where you know, oh my gosh, this person only calls me if somebody's dying. Don't answer your phone. Be with your friends. Have a moment with your friend group, wherever you are, where once a month you go out to eat or you come to your house to eat and you have a big basket with a lid and you put all of the electronics in it, take off the watches, the phones, everything, put it in it and put it away. And just look at each other's faces and make jokes and hang out and drink drinks and have food and be in each other's companies. Make time for that. Choose what's important. And remember, a no for now doesn't have to be a no forever, but choose what's important and eliminate what's not important in your life. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. The third thing I would ask of you today is to sense God's presence and recognize his voice. When you slow down enough that you can find a space that is quiet, a space that is empty of life's invading noises, the ones we create and the ones that surround us, and you dig deep in conversation with other people, and you pray with people more, you are going to find a supernatural power that you never knew. A power that will help you connect with people even more deeply as you go throughout your day. I find that if I lose my time with the Lord in the morning due to 
crazy children, I am less likely to be patient with crazy children later. It's true that it affects my day in such a way that I know I need to be with Jesus before I be with anybody else because Jesus needs to renew me. I need to be better and spend that time with Jesus. Man, take time to pray for people more. One of the most powerful things I learned is that if somebody ever says to me, hey, listen, can you be praying for me? We're like, my dad's sick or whatever. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We're going to pray right now. And I take their hands. I don't care if it's Walmart. I don't care if we're in the bathroom in the lobby. I will pray with you in the bathroom in the lobby. Even though it stinks in there. And yes, guys, we know we're trying to work on that. Like, I will pray with you. I challenge you to pray with people deeply. If somebody says, I have a prayer need on Facebook, you know, there's this amazing feature on your phones where you can record audio and send it to them. One of the most powerful things you can do is, God, I just pray while you hold the record button. I just pray for so-and-so. I just ask God that you would heal their mind, touch their body, renew their strength, and just uh, fill them with your presence so they may feel you. Send it to them. There's power in hearing somebody ask God for your good. Isn't that powerful? So much better than a text. Even better, if somebody is struggling and they ask you for prayer, say, yes, I'm going to stop and pray for you right now, but when can we meet so that I can pray with you in person? Because there is power when you say the name of Jesus. There is power when you pray in person with somebody. Be intentional. Pray with people. In closing, I listen, I want you to uh, be invited in joining in on praying daily this amazing prayer. As you exit today, you're going to get a card that has this prayer on it so you can take it with you into your day so that you can remember to pray, God help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply every single day. So please make sure you get one. If you have somebody else in your life who needs to pray this, take several. It's okay. We have plenty. You know what's the most fascinating to me? That as Jesus walked in those three years of ministry, he was walking ever in one direction. He was following God and the will of the Father, and he was walking toward the cross. He walked toward the cross for you and for I, so that we could be imbued with his power, so that we could be his hands and feet, so that we could be his mouth and speak life and love over other people. He walked toward the cross. He didn't run away from it. He walked toward it. Sometimes we're going to have to walk into suffering, and sometimes the suffering is making sure that we eliminate what's not important and make time for what is so that we do the uncomfortable things of hanging out with people in person, not over text. So when we know Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, we don't just embrace that, the truth that he taught, but we live the way that he taught us to. And we love the way he taught us to love. So would you, would you with me commit for seven days to pray this? Would you, would you commit to pray seven days with me this prayer? Thank you so much for your commitment. I want to see what God does in our next seven days when we live this prayer out, when we pray it and mean it over our lives every morning. Listen, 
you might be like, man, I've never heard somebody talk about Jesus this way before. I've never heard about this relationship with God that could be um, real and I could have this conversation with the God of the universe. And I think I'd like to do that today. I want to pray with you. If you, you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me and just release from your mind um, lunch or how cold it is outside. Release um, the, the fact that I just ruined your life telling you that 10,000 hours of video gaming happens for most dudes. Like, release all that for just a moment. If you're in this place and you're hearing my voice, know that Jesus has an invitation for you. So I'm going to talk to two groups of people. If you've never made the commitment to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm inviting you to this morning. You're going to pray with me just now. You're going to pray, Jesus, right now I want to start a relationship with you. I want to know you, to really know you, to live your way and love your way. Would you come in to my life and make everything new? Thank you. The second group of people with your head still bowed and eyes closed that I want to talk to you is if you've been in this life struggling and you're always hustling and always feeling like you have to earn your way and run harder and dig deeper and go farther and be more and do more. And it's always never enough. And everybody's always asking more of you. I want to talk to you this morning and tell you that you don't have to fight for your seat at the table. Your place is already set. You don't have to strive for your seat at the table. Your place is already set. You've been chosen in Christ already. And you are enough. If that's you and that's speaking to your heart right now, would you just let me know by raising your hand? If that's you and you needed to hear that, that's awesome. So grateful for the Holy Spirit giving me that word for you. Take that with you today. As I close out in prayer, um, if you said that prayer of salvation for the first time, I want to invite you to take an opportunity to let us know. You can either snap the QR code on the screen with your phone uh, right now, or you can text, that's me, to 94000, and that will let us know that you chose today to start a relationship with Jesus. And you'll get a text back from us, and we'll connect with you and help you on this journey the final thing I want to pray with you is I want to pray that this week would be one of intentionality in moments with people and in moments with God. As you pray this prayer, I pray that it reprioritizes your life and you choose what matters most to love God and to love people. Would you pray with me as we close out? Father, would you help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to prioritize our lives in such a way that we make time for you, that we make time for what matters, and we know that what matters most to you are people. And sometimes, God, that means taking care of ourselves. Father, I ask that those people who have been hustling and who have been struggling would take a half a day as soon as possible and unplug from life, step away from the electronics, step away from work, and spend time with you. Father, be the tap at the shoulder and the invitation to step away so that they can recover their lives.
And as we do these things in obedience to you, we know that we can expect both peace and prosperity. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your word. As we go out today, would you help us to carry your word with us everywhere we go? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, B-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.